Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now Won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Working all things out Working all things out And yes, I will lift you high In the lowest valley Yes, I will bless your name Oh yeah
singing that together. Oh, sisters in Christ, I greet you with the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I urge you to keep the fight of faith. Fight to retain your faith in the good news of Jesus, who conquered sin and death. Fight for fellowship with God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who longs to be with you. Fight for fellowship with the Divine Church, for you belong to the body, and the body belongs to you. Fight oppression and injustice which opposes the kingdom of God. And fight to share your faith and make disciples until you reach one, till everyone. The good fight. Well, how are you, church? You good? Hey, it's uh, great to be with you. Not necessarily great to hear your own voice. Have you ever like listened to a recording of yourself and you're like, that doesn't sound like me and everybody else goes, yeah, that does. And you're like, oh, I sound horrible. Um, so I, I actually pity you this morning um, for the next you know, 20 minutes or so um, where I'm talking and you just get to listen. So uh, for those of you that don't know who I am, I'm David Walters. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor of the Vine Church. And it's a privilege to be with you this Sunday. It's a great Sunday to be together. Um, as we already recognized, Pedro, just a couple of seconds ago, there's a lot to celebrate this morning. Um, the fact that we are one church in one location for the months of June and July, that's pretty cool. So can we just celebrate that we're together for a little bit this summer? Um, 
It was awesome like walking through the halls. I'm like, you're out of place, you're out of place, you're out of place. And yet at the same time, you're not out of place. That's a great thing. Uh, so it was awesome to see some uh, faces that we don't get to normally see uh, on Sunday mornings over here at this location. Um, and so it's great to see you. It's great to be together. And then like, how amazing is it when you walk in and you're like, I've just been transformed into a digital gaming world. Like, how awesome is the environment of the vine this morning? Can we just celebrate that? I mean, what an amazing uh, transformation. If you're here for the first time, this is not our normal decor up here, I'm just saying. Uh, this is in prep for our Camp Kidzu, and we've got some amazing, creative, artistic, and hard workers who spent hours upon hours upon hours up here getting uh, everything ready for what, in my opinion, is one of the most amazing weeks of the year. That's Camp Kidzu Week, where a bunch of kids, hundreds of kids, are going to hear that Jesus loves them and desires to be their best friend forever. And so that's um, an amazing week. And so I want to celebrate if you were one of the volunteers who worked already, or you are one of the volunteers who is working, would you just raise your hand? And can we just raise them high, like be proud of that. Yeah, can we just celebrate these folks that are going to be serving? That's awesome. And um, how many of you just want to get up here, run on the stage, and go, ding! Like, right, just do that. Like, that's all I've been wanting to do, the whole service. I was like, Jesus, I love you, I love you, but I want to run and touch that. Yeah, anyway, so I'm just wondering what pops out of it, you know? Maybe a mushroom that would make me like a super David. I go from being like average size to like super size. That would be awesome. Anyway, yeah, so it's great to be with you guys. And uh, the best thing about today is we're kicking off a, a brand new series called The Good Fight. Um, when, I, when I was uh, growing up, like playground was like my favorite thing. I don't know about you, but like school recess was awesome because we got to go on the playground. Now my only playground time, which is actually not that much anymore, it was like with kids, but back then loved recess. My favorite subject in school. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, like ladies, th this is going to be very stereotypical. Like this is one of those comments where you're like, oh, you know, but like, I don't know what playground time wa was for you, but like playground time for guys was like really just competition time. It was like alarms going off. Um, it was like, it was like, battleground more than like playground. It was like competition. There was always some like competition going on uh, on playground. And so, um, you know, like sometimes it would be like kickball, you know, and, or dodgeball. And I remember one time we were playing dodgeball. I was in third grade, Lawrenceville Elementary. Anybody else? Just one little black knight. Okay. All right. So, um, so third grade, we're playing dodgeball, playground, and um, that we use those kickballs and the kickball like hit me square, like in the face to the point where I had to go to the clinic. Like nobody wants to go to the clinic, nobody. Um, that was embarrassing, one of the most embarrassing days of my life. But anyway, so it was like competition, you know, it was like kickball, there's dodgeball. Um, sometimes the competition was like to see if like you could run without getting caught by girls. Like, you know, the girls like chase you around. But then the other days the competition was to see how many girls you could kiss on the playground. So it was like, you just never know what day that competition was gonna be. Uh, sometimes the competition was really just to avoid Shannon Marchman. And uh, Shannon, if you're watching online, sorry, but you were the bully. And so it was like, you just try to like avoid the bully, you know? And so like, there's all kinds of competition that would go on in the playground. And, um, and, and so it was this interesting dynamic where this playground was like your favorite place to go, but there was also like this battleground. And I think our faith is like that. I think our life is like that, where um, there's so much about our, our faith journey that's like a playground. And it's just fun, it's 
recreational, it's leisure, it should be fun. If you're like having faith and you're living out your faith and it's not fun in any way, then I'm not sure that you've like lived into the essence of what your faith life is supposed to be. I mean, Jesus says that he came that we may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. So that there should be some aspect of it where it's like, this is fun. Like I really enjoy what's going on. And yet at the same time, we know that life's tough and there are situations and circumstances that come up where it's not necessarily fun or enjoyable. And in that way, it's a lot like a competition. It's a lot like a battleground. And so what I want to propose to you uh, this morning, and, and really is just going to kind of be a, a theme that is foundational for this series, is that our faith should be this, this, um, this, this playground, but also this battleground. And we should understand it as both. And if we're living in, in one world, but not the other, then maybe we're not experiencing all that we um, were designed to experience in a relationship with God. Um, and, and so a lot of us, we, we, we like to focus on the playground part, you know? And so life is good, life is grand, my faith is good, it should be easy, and, and we should get God compartmentalized like in this playground area of our life, um, and we kind of hang out there. Then we run across quotes from like Christine Kane, who two weeks ago at a conference, Christine Kane, she's an author, she's a speaker, she's out of the Hillsong Church in Australia. Um, she runs a ministry called Acts 21. Basically her ministry is to, um, to eradicate sex trafficking in the world, um, a pretty, pretty like noble cause, and um, she's phenomenal. Um, if you ever hear her speak, like you can't write fast enough. It's just like zinger, 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 and you're writing everything down. Well, this is what she said two weeks ago while she was speaking at a conference about trying to eradicate sex trafficking. She said, I'm, he I'm trying to put sex traffickers in jail while you're watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, if that didn't like sting a little bit, like I've never watched an episode of that, and I'm not saying that to brag or to boast. I'm just saying like, that, like, the point was you could fill in the blank, you know, it could be stranger things. I don't know. Like it could be um, The Office or Parks and Rec, which is what Liz and I are binging right now. Parks and Rec. Hilarious. Anyway, another sermon for another day. Um, but the like point was, it's like, hey, we're living, a lot of us, we're living in this playground world, but, but really there's this battleground that, that is happening in the world. It's our faith. And so if we're like constantly in like playground world, but we're not understanding battleground world, then we're missing out on the reality of our faith. And maybe, maybe, maybe we just don't quite have the faith that we thought we had. If, if when things come up, we don't take action or we don't know how to deal with it. And by contrast, again, like I said earlier, you know, if it's just battleground and we're not experiencing playground, if we don't have the joy and we don't have the peace, we don't have the satisfaction, then, then maybe we're missing a part of that too. Um, but, the, but the battleground component is one of those aspects that doesn't get talked about a lot in contemporary Christianity and cultural Christianity. And yet when you read through the pages of scripture, like there's a lot of battle stuff. There's a lot of battle stuff. In fact, when you move to the New Testament, a lot of the language turns to competition. So it's like you should train yourself or train your kids in faith. I mean, train, 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 train. What do you train for? You train for competition. So there's this competition like kind of language that happens there, but, but the battleground conversation starts in the Old Testament. And there were like literal battles that were happening all the time. In fact, maybe some of those battles got instructed to take place. And so you see that there are like these physical, literal battles that are taking place in the Old Testament. And then we go to the New Testament, 
And, and we hear this training kind of language, terminology. We hear battle terminology. Um, and, and, and we're taught that our battles actually aren't physical in nature, but they're spiritual in nature. Right? We're taught that, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another in the physical, like tangible way. There's actually a spiritual battle that's going on. And then on um, three occasions, there's this guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament named Paul, who, who writes that, that our faith journey is like a fight. It's like a fight. And then he implores those that he's writing to and those that would listen to this to fight the good fight. And, and he expresses this primarily in two letters that he wrote to a guy named Timothy. And um, Timothy, as we learn in the letter that we're gonna take a look at today, chapter one, is who he calls his spiritual son, his true spiritual child. <clears throat> On his first missionary journey, Paul, the apostle Paul, um, is thought to have led, bless you, is thought to have led this guy named Timothy and Timothy's mother to faith in Jesus Christ. And so a lot of ways, as, as Timothy entered into this faith journey, this faith life, who Jesus, Jesus would say, when you enter into this faith life, it's like being born again. So in a lot of ways, this is truly a spiritual child of Paul. Um, Paul writes a letter to him and to anyone that would read this letter. And this is one of three of the last letters that he would write. Uh, two to Timothy, one to a guy named Titus. And so these are the last three letters that were written. Um, two of the last three letters contain this phrase, fight the good fight. And I just thought as, as I'm wrapping up my tenure here as, as lead pastor of the vine, and we're transitioning to a new lead pastor of the vine, that, that this would be an appropriate place for us to kind of hang out for June. As, as one of my last letters, if you will, to you. As one of those, those last little like moments where I get to just speak into your life in a brief way, a few minutes on Sundays for a few Sundays to kind of write some last thoughts. And in many ways, uh, we have this kind of relationship that's a lot like Paul and Timothy. For some of you, you came to faith in Jesus Christ at the Vine Church. I mean, what we've seen statistically, at least, is that there have been hundreds who have. Uh, there have been hundreds in, who have been baptized and have gone public with that. And it's more than just a pray a prayer, raise your hand, come get a devotional after service, but have gone public in that faith. Others of you, you've kind of rededicated or you've refound your faith. Maybe you grew up in church, you got away maybe during those college years. Um, Catherine, hang in there wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, because so many of us are just kind of get a little detoured in life, you know? And, and maybe this was the place where you kind of reconnected or maybe you refound your faith. And so I just felt like this was a really appropriate place for us to hang out. And so I want to introduce you to the phrase, the good fight, tell you what the good fight is tell you a little bit about how to do that. We're going to see that through the pages of scripture. So if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible up, I want to invite you to go to First uh, Timothy. It's not a book. It's a letter. It's written to this true spiritual child of Paul. We're going to be hanging out in verses 18 and 19. We'll refer to some of the preceding verses a little bit later. This is what Paul writes at the end of chapter one, which he wouldn't have been writing chapters uh, to end this letter. But this is what he says to kind of sum up chapter one. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies, prophecies were uh, knowledge or information given um, by God to others, um, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, 
that by them you may wage the good warfare, that you would fight the good fight, holding faith and good conscience. By rejecting this, some have, some have made shipwreck of their faith. And he goes on to list who those are. Um, I have a list of people that have shipwrecked their faith. Maybe you have a list of those people too. And so instead of shipwrecking your faith, he says, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. And what I want to offer to you this morning is that the good fight is when we fight with good and for good. The good fight is when we fight with good and for good. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. That's the bottom line for today. The good fight is fighting with good and for good. And he mentions what the with and the for is. And the the with is to fight with faith. It's to fight with faith. And what I've discovered is that anytime that, that our faith shifts from like playground mode to battleground mode, we're either gonna fight with fear or we're gonna fight with faith. We're gonna fight with one or the other. And we can be a person who has walked a, a long time with the Lord. We've had faith in Jesus for a long time. And it's really easy though in, in life's battleground moments when decisions need to be made, when actions need to take place, for us to, to make a decision based in fear rather than in faith. And, and when he talks about faith, he's simply saying trust. Trust in Jesus. And, and this goes back to salvation. When you're considering the eternal aspect of your being, you made a decision to trust in Jesus, or most of you in this room did. It was to trust in Jesus. It was to trust in Jesus alone, not your own good works for your righteousness or for your right standing with God. And, and, and Paul's constantly concerned about that. And so he says, keep coming back to that. In fact, we'll, we'll go back to that in just a moment. Uh, so we trust in Jesus for our salvation, the most important aspect of our life, our eternal, like, our eternal being. We, we, trust, we trust in Jesus for that. We trust in Jesus for our righteousness, for our growth and our right standing with God. And so we trust in Jesus for that. So if we'll trust Jesus for the most important things, then when it comes to the decisions that need to be made, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna trust fear or are we gonna trust Jesus? But when life becomes a battleground, you and I will choose between fear or faith. Um, Liz and I, and I didn't get permission to share the story, so I won't share the, all the details of the story. I wouldn't have gotten permission. That's why I didn't ask for it. Um, and so one of the most important decisions that we had to make in life um, came to like a head one time. And, I, and, and we could, Liz and I couldn't make a decision. I mean, it was just a pretty significant thing. But basically the decision came down to like, what would life look like if we weren't in the picture? Does that make sense? Do I need to connect the dots? That's how I get around like asking for permission, right? So, so we're, we're struggling. We've got these decisions that need to be made as we're about to embark on like a, a journey together that didn't involve kids. What a glorious thing. And, um, and so we're facing this decision and I was like, hey, well, what, if we, what if we got our wisdom circle together? What if we got the wisest people that are in our lives? We got them together and we just asked them what they thought and maybe who they would pick. She was like, Mm-mm, we're not doing that. And I was like, okay. Um, but I brought it up at a time when some of those close relationships were around. That was, a, that was a big mistake, especially after I'd asked permission. See, that's why you don't ask permission. You ask for forgiveness, um, especially after three days of silence, three days of silence. And so we were like, I mean, and, and look, 
our marriage is great, but it's not perfect. And um, as great as marriages can be, none are perfect. And so we just had this moment and it was territory that we had never been in before. It was probably the most important decision that we'd ever made in life. And we were trying to make this decision and um, we were really struggling and we were, we were not on the same page. And bringing that conversation up in front of people did not make it any better. And, we, 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 you know, sometimes there's that like, like cool down period where you don't talk, you know, you go in separate rooms and then you come back together and you do that. that like this was like a three day cool down period. And I'm not really sure that it actually cooled down. But it just kind of hit me as I was praying through it, like on the third day, I was like, God, what is going on? And, and it was really like, is this decision fear-based or faith-based? And so I was like, oh, that's it. So I'm in the office right there, get in my car, I go home. I'm about to share with y'all some details that I would only share if I, my, my time like here is like limited. She's in the shower. So I go, where can I go where Liz can't escape? The shower. <laughs> hey, and I look at her and I'm like, hey, this is not what you think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, well, if you're here for the first time, welcome to the vine, right? Um, I was like, hey, I just really feel like I'm supposed to say it. Like, is this decision being made in fear or faith? And I get out and I was like, didn't grab a towel. You know, so I'm like, get my clothes on, come back. A couple hours later, I get a long email from my wife. And it was a great email. And it was a recognition that when it came to the most important decision that we had to make at that point in our life, like, like, like the the challenge for both of us is that we wanted to default to fear. But like God was calling us to, to make a decision in faith. And, and so many of us, we're gonna face like all kinds of decisions and all kinds of moments. And it goes from like playground to battleground and it feels like competition. And you're like, ah, I'm just trying to make sense of this. And you're like, what's going on? And, and it's like so easy to default to like safety because of fear rather than taking a moment where we go, okay, God, I'm trusting you in this. And, and that if I will make a decision based on faith, you'll work it out. You know what I know? We came back from that trip and everything was fine in it. But what I also know is that if anything else happened, we made a decision based on faith, not fear. And we've made plenty of the opposite direction. And I confess that to you. But what I know is that whatever you're facing, it, it like you're called to fight the good fight and you're called to hold on to faith, your trust. You know, Paul was kind of concerned about Timothy and, 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 and he urges him a little bit earlier on in the chapter to like hold on to the faith in a really powerful way. A, a lot of the New Testament, I don't know if you noticed this, or ri is written by Paul. And a lot of his letters contain like this like, like desire that, they would hold on to faith. I mean, he talks about that a lot. And what he says earlier in the chapter is, hey, Timothy, I urge you to remain in Ephesus. I urge you to remain in Ephesus. It's sometimes we need a reminder to remain where we are. I, and I felt like this is just kind of an asterisk moment or a, a little alley. 
I think some of you might need a reminder to remain right now. And, and he wants him to remain so that he can hold on to the faith and so that other people will hold on to the faith by him remaining. In fact, when you go back, he says, hey, I need you to, I need you to remain. I urge you to remain in Ephesus so that what is most important, essentially the good news, so that the good news can continue to be proclaimed. And the true good news, the good news being that our salvation, our right standing with God is not based on Jesus plus good works. It's Jesus plus nothing equals our salvation. But when you have Jesus plus salvation, it's going to equal good works. And he needed Paul to stay and remain, to hold on to that message of faith, the foundation of everything that we have, the foundation of the playground and the foundation of the battleground, which is, it's Jesus plus nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing. Like, we need to operate in faith. And, and, and I think Paul knew that Timothy would have a temptation when it came to an opportunity to go. When he had an opportunity to go, when, when, when it was tough, and, and maybe there were some things that were being done, and maybe there were things that were being taught, or maybe there was to just, to just go. And he said, I urge you to remain. That's an example for him. What about you? What life decision are you facing? What faith decision are you facing? What church decision are you facing? It would be really easy to default to fear when what you're called to is to fight the good fight with faith. That's the first thing. We fight the good fight with faith. Uh, we fight the good fight for good. We, we fight the good fight for good. And, and, and by good, um, Paul says to Timothy, when you hold on to things, hold on to faith and then hold on to a good conscience. Like hold on to a good conscience. Basically, at the end of the day, what will you walk away with and say, I live today with no regrets. That that's how you live with a good conscience. You're like, hey, like I, I don't have a regret for what I did today. Because I don't know about you, but there are plenty of days where I, I go to bed and I'm like, ah, man, failed, failed there, dropped the ball there little regret there. I look at my life as a whole and I go, yeah, there are some regrets. I mean, look, it doesn't mean that my future in any way is in, impacted because I can, I can make decisions, different decisions, um, but regret, 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 regret. A good conscience is to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to live with regret. In other words, in, in every moment of our day, we're going to find, we're going to find like the good fights within the good fight so that we don't live with regret. And I just, I made a list. I was like, what are some like good fights? What are, what are some things that if we'll fight for what's right, we'll, we'll live every day without a regret? If you're taking notes, maybe that's the thing. It's just like fight, like the right fight. Like what are the right things to fight for? Because we just, we fight for so many wrong things. Students, you fight for so many wrong things. You fight for popularity and you fight for like coolness and like that's it's fighting the wrong thing. And adults, you fight for jobs and you fight for promotions and you fight for more stuff and that's the wrong fight. So like, what is the right fight? And I just made a list. And the first thing that came to my mind was holiness. And holiness is really just saying, hey, you know what? Like, am I like fighting to become like my savior? Like, am I looking more like Jesus today than I did yesterday? That's a fight worth fighting. Would you agree? Y'all are really quiet. 
Like, and here's how you fight that fight. What is my life like when no one's watching? And, and what does that fight look like? It looks like in moments where you're all alone or when nobody else is around. Like what's your decide? Like, are you fighting here? Are you fighting in fear, fighting in faith? Are you going to fight for holiness? Students, fight to do everything you do with excellence. And with, what that means is to do everything for the glory of God. It's to ask the question, are you doing what you're doing for the glory of God? Or are you doing that for the glory of self? Your life will be so much better. Catherine, pay attention. Your life will be so much better. So much better if you'll say, hey, I'm doing this for the glory of God, not for the glory of self. Students, honor and obey your parents, teachers, and anyone in authority over you. Fight to honor them. Fight to honor your parents when your siblings aren't. Fight to honor your teachers when your classmates aren't. Fight to honor anyone in authority. Fight to honor them. Young adults, fight for your friendships. Fight for your friendships. Those things are gonna last and have the potential to carry you throughout circumstances where life becomes a battleground. Fight for friendships. Spouses, fight for your marriage. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had over the 13 years I've pastored the vine where I'm like, are you done fighting? Don't quit fighting. Don't throw in the towel. Like just keep fighting for your marriage and you might get knocked down but get back up and fight for your marriage. Parents, fight for your kids. Man, they are so worth it. You're the only person in this world that God like, like specifically designed to fight for them. Fight for your kids. Grandparents, I, I just wanna invite you to, to shift. And, and, and maybe you're not a grandparent, but maybe you're kind of in that like, this is the stretch. This is a home stretch of life. Like fight for the third and the fourth generation because you've got the second. Like you, you, you're seeing that first generation after you and you're seeing that second generation. But fight for the third and the fourth generation and fight for legacy. Like fight for the, in this stage, like fight for that, those moments that are gonna be spoken about you when you're not here. Write those down. Like it's a great exercise to say, these are the words that I want spoken when I'm not here. That will be your legacy. What do you want spoken and fight for those things? Just to all of you when it comes to your faith, fight to honor your new pastor. Fight to honor one another in the process. Fight for the unity of the vision. Our church started 13 years ago at a time when churches were failing left and right. Over 80% of new churches fail and they still, still fail. And it's because there's not a unity of vision. The unity of vision is to reach one until everyone. Like we only exist as the body of Christ to introduce people to Jesus and to grow them in their faith. That's it. Fight for unity and vision. Fight for unity of the believers, like fight for the fellowship of the believers. Like, like talk to one another instead of about one another. 
deal with your stuff. Like, like work and fight. Get in a connect group. Like get connected. Fight for the fellowship of the believers. And then collectively, let's stay focused on the concerns of the community. Fight for the concerns of the community. Because we've got hungry kids in the community. We do. You don't see it that much that way, but you do that way and that way. Not that way and that way. South and, and west, but north and east, you see it. You got hungry kids. We got homeless kids. And so a lot of people have like said, hey, you know what? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my part and I'm gonna take in some of these homeless kids, foster kids. I'm gonna take them into our home. And you know what? God might not call you to take some of those kids into your home, but God is calling you and God is calling our church to prop those people up to love them and support them, fight for them. You know, I already mentioned sex trafficking. I mean, y'all, come on. Modern slavery. I mean, I could keep going on, but like fight for those things so that when, when your day is done and when, when the Vine Church is done, we go, you know what? I got no regrets. We fought the good fight. We fought for the right things. We fought for the good things. And some of you are like, well, how do we do that? Well, I, I just want to introduce you to a phrase that I got introduced to just a couple of uh, months ago um, through a podcast. It's called The Next Right Thing. It's the next right thing. Just fight the good fight. Fight the right fight by doing the next right thing. By doing the next good thing. It, when you do it, then move to the next one and do the next right thing. It's that simple. If you'll ask the question, is this the right thing? Is this a good thing? Well, I'll live with no regrets. If you'll ask that question, you'll get an answer. I mean, some people tried to popularize that with a WWJD bracelet. I mean, you could just go there. I mean, if you want to get all spiritual and everything, or you could just say, hey, look, what's the good thing? What's the right thing? Because there's, there's always a right thing. What's the next right thing? And sometimes, just, just so you know, sometimes the right thing is to do things in the right way. Because you can be right sometimes, but you can do it in a wrong way or say it in a wrong way, and that makes you wrong. So do it, say it in the right way. So going back to the list, holiness, what's the next right thing? I don't know, maybe the next right thing is to start having a quiet time, and maybe it's not an hour, maybe it's 15 minutes. Uh, maybe it's a new right thing in your quiet time. Uh, maybe it's like fighting to eliminate temptations that are in your life. So maybe for some people it's, getting off of certain things or not having certain conversations. Students, like, what's the next right thing? Well, let's start with the things they've asked you to do. Have you done the things they've asked you to do? When you're done with the things they've asked you to do, you move on to the next right thing, which is to say, is there anything else that I can do? Or is there any other affirmation that you can give? What's the next right thing? Uh, spouses, um, what's the next right thing? Do you have a date night? If you don't have a date night in your marriage, like the next right thing is to establish a date night. Establish a date night. Like just have a date night, okay? <laughs> like regular, frequent, on the calendar. Like maybe the next right thing is to put one on the calendar. Like have a date night. Um, the next right thing, maybe you need to go to counseling. The next right thing, maybe you need to introduce a daily conversation. Next right thing, maybe in the middle of the day you just need to go home and Maybe your spouse is in the shower. I don't know. The next right thing. <laughs> Just do the next right thing. Parenting, like connect with your kids. Ah, Braden is at the beach playing in a baseball tournament. Originally, I wasn't going to be here today. And they got some news that only had a few Sundays left. So I was like, ah, I got to be there. So Braden's at the beach. 
I talked Kate into to going with me. Kate's my, my youngest. And I talked him into going with me because I didn't want to drive back by myself. So I was like, hey, guys, road trip. And he's like, yeah. I was like, whew. Okay. So, so, so we go on this road trip. And um, we, we take down, there's three of us in the car going down there, two of us coming back. I let Cade sit in the front for the first time. Now, like, this is big drama at my house. Just don't bring, like, a lot of y'all, y'all go, like, through the halls, and you'll see my kids, and you'll be like, oh, your dad talked about you. Like, just keep it in the room, okay? <laughs> All right. So he's sitting in the front seat. So I was like, man, it's seven hours. Him in the back seat, that's not gonna, that's not gonna, that's not good. So he's in the front seat and he is giddy. I mean, it is like celebration time. He's in the front seat and he's like talking to me like crazy. Like, and what I realized is that there's a, like the most important thing is connection in that moment. And he's got this like Nintendo Switch where he's playing like Mario Kart and Mario Brothers and, and uh, he plays it for a little bit and then we chat. We were just singing worship songs together like really loudly and out of key for him. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was just, it was good. It was really good. And then after we stopped, grabbed some dinner, like he gets his switch back out and he's playing his switch. And then it like, I see him packing up. I was like, oh, you don't need to put it up. And he was like, no, it's dead. And I was like, oh man, I'm sorry. I mean, we still had like two hours left. I was like, man, I'm sorry. And he goes, I'm not. I go, well, why aren't you sorry? And he goes, because now I get to do my favorite thing. And I was like, what's your favorite thing? And he's like, talk to you. And I was like, wow. Okay. Like, What's the next right thing? And I think, I had already written it down, but I think the thing is, what's gonna give you the, the next best way to connect with your kid? Like that's, they might not say it, and they might actually think you're not cool, but they want connection with you. I can keep going on, but I don't have time. Fight the good fight, and the good fight is with good and it's for good. It's with faith and it's the right thing with no regrets. And if you'll fight the good fight with good and for good, you're guaranteed to win. Listen, you will win. You'll never lose when you fight with faith and with good conscience, you will never, ever lose. It doesn't matter what the earthly scoreboard says. You will not lose. That's why Paul, who, listen, had this great resume until Jesus came along, and then all of a sudden what he was doing in a way that he thought was like faith, but it was really fear. Had people in prison, beaten, killed. I mean, like blasphemy, all these things. Listen, listen to what he writes. Verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though I formerly was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in belief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Jesus Christ. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in this world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. 
But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example of those who were believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what he just said there? I won. Like I won. I won. And you'll win too if you fight the good fight.
that again, sir, passion. Is there a passion in my heart now? Let it overflow. Let it overflow. One last song, would that be a cry? Is there 